Just exciting stuff, right? It is. It's all, it's all exciting. So please, um, in your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians. So the letter of Paul to the Philippians is where we're at. We are in chapter 2. We'll be going through verses 12 um, through 18. And the title of this morning's message is Beacons of Light. Beacons of Light. So you have this, uh, this picture in your mind as far as a beacon is concerned, maybe a lighthouse. And uh, the brightness of that is what we're going to be focusing on and hopefully understanding how important it is, number one, and how it is that we can be those beacons of light for others to see. The, the really important person that we ought to see clearly, and that is Jesus Christ. So let's start out by reading uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thanking you, Lord, for your word as you uh, do this work. Lord, for, for some, it could be a, a simple reminder. Lord, we're on the right path, perhaps, and and Lord, this is a good reminder of those things that really bless and glorify you. Brothers, Lord, the same word can be a, a strong source of correction. Lord, that we would come to realize that perhaps we, we haven't really been representing you in a way that is fitting for a follower of Christ to be representing you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, humble hearts, that no matter what the work you desire to do in our hearts this morning comes our way, Lord, that we would be willing to receive that and allow you to do your work of either encouragement, strengthening, refining, and correction, whatever it is, to your glory. And so we commit this morning into your hands, Father, in this time of study, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so beacons of light. Um, I'm reminded of how Jesus referred to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, he referred to his disciples as salt of the earth and light of the world. Salt, we know, preserves, it enhances uh, flavor, the taste, right? It adds freshness. Light is a source of illumination. It gives expression, provides understanding of a problem or a mystery, and gives spiritual illumination. That is clarification by divine truth or of divine truth. 
If Jesus refers to his followers in this way, then it would behoove us as Christians that what that means as Christians. And sometimes we just use that term loosely. We just say, yeah, we're a Christian. A Christian means a follower of Jesus Christ. It would behoove us as Christians to know and understand how we ought to be salt and light in this world to the glory of God. If Jesus is referring to us in that way, we ought to know, shouldn't we? Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In case you didn't know, each and every one of our lives has great purpose. You know, sometimes we minimize that. We think perhaps we don't. We're, we're worthless in the eyes of a great big God, right? I, even King David said, who is man that you are mindful of him? So he understands that it's amazing the thoughts that God has toward us. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us a future and a hope. But he has a purpose for us. And the purpose that he has for us is to bring him glory. And so if we are to bring him glory, then we ought to know how it is that we can bring him glory. We have great purpose, you and I. And that purpose, simply the bottom line is this. If you want to put it in simple terms, if if you walk away with nothing else, just know this. Our purpose is to bring God glory, period. Everything else, you start to build around that. Uh, you, you, you see everything through that lens, in other words. You filter life events, how you respond, your reactions to things, circumstances. With that in mind, if you start doing that, life takes on a whole different meaning. To express our thanks for His wonderful love that He showed us through the sacrifice of His Son, and so we live to do what He wills for His good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You you see, these things that I'm saying are are not things that I've just kind of just, hey, they sound good. Perhaps it's something catchy that someone else will quote. No, no, no. These are things, the very basic principles, foundational to our faith. They're found in the very Word of God. When we learn how to live this way, we will truly be those beacons of light that He desires us to be to a dark and lost world that has no hope without Jesus. Jesus desires that you and I be those lights that guide the lost to Him, that they also may be saved. And through that, through Jesus, God is glorified. How we are to be beacons of life that, of light that guide the lost to the Lord and serve as a source of illumination of truth to a perverse world is what we will be learning this morning. Two fundamental truths, just two fundamental truths to being beacons of light for us as we look at these verses. Number one, work out your own salvation. We, we want to also make sure we break it down into simple terms, right? Number one, work out your own salvation. Number two, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Two things. Two things we're going to be looking at this morning. Number one, let's uh, take a look at what the Apostle Paul means by 
when he says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verses 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Uh, The therefore is what we should always look at in the Bible. When we see the word therefore, what's it therefore, right? Uh, That which is before will conclude with what is after. It should result in. And that's what we look at. Paul in this section is explaining what should be the result of the existence of godly humility in our lives. That's what was before. Being humble toward one another, considering others more significant than ourselves, and looking after the interests of others as we do ours. Having Jesus as the example, the perfect example of humility to the point of death on the cross is what Tim was referring to is that point to where, and I loved just yesterday, we were at Cambridge Gardens, and, and we had Eric brought us through scripture, and it was just breaking scripture down, just sitting down in a circle and going through. I, I, lo- I love that. I love just sitting down. I just want to hear from the Word of God. I love this morning how it is that Tim um, reminded us of the sacrifice of Jesus. What he had in mind and what he knew he was going to experience was, uh, w- w- uh, was what put him in that place of anguish. Knowing what he was going to experience. And yet, the Lord, as we learned last week, willingly went to the cross, or a couple weeks ago, willingly went to the cross for you and I. Oh, what humility before the Father. You know, he was asking, you know, if this cup could pass, nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. That's a humility that we need to acknowledge and live out in our own lives. That when we're confronted with the will of the Father as opposed to the will of me, we are willing also, no matter what is coming our way, to receive that cup that God has for us and not insist on our own way. This is the humility that at this point, because of this, this is what it should result in. Because of this, you are to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. By the way, this was not a suggestion, but an expectation. We need to look at at it that way. We need to understand what's before us. You know, the Apostle Paul wasn't saying this was a suggestion. This This would be great if you guys did this. No, it was an expectation. Because of this, this should follow Just as two follows one and three follows two, so working out your your salvation in this manner is to follow godly humility. So godly humility, and therefore, because of that godly humility that is represented and expressed in your own life and come to be known, this is what follows. Now, what we need to understand is Paul is not saying that we earn our salvation through work. We need to be very clear about that. There's nothing that we can do. It was finished on the cross. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by our works. Otherwise, we would boast. You know, well, you know, my work is what led me 
to this um, uh, place in, in heaven. You know, but it's not by work. That's not what Paul was referring to. What he was rather referring to is that we are to let the salvation we have received by grace find its way out into every area of our lives, to be worked out from within. This exhortation is for the Christian who is living by faith in Jesus Christ. This is not for the world. We shouldn't expect the world to, to behave in a way that a Christian should. We just shouldn't. That's the world. We came from that. We were exposed to that in that way of being participants with the world. No, his exhortation was for the Christian who is living by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, we have received God's forgiveness and salvation by grace. But as a person who had been living for the world and self, we need to learn how to live for Christ. We, we're in the process of that. It's called sanctification. It's a beautiful work, but we need to submit ourselves to God on a daily basis. Not periodically, not every now and then, you know, every once in a while on a Sunday or on Wednesday or, you know, when I crack the word open. It's every day consistently dying to self, picking up our cross and following the Lord. As we do that, he does this work in our lives that's absolutely beautiful. But we're all in that process. That's where we can come alongside each other and encourage one another. Hey, listen, we're, we're all growing together. We're all learning how to walk in a way that is fitting for a Christian to walk and glorify the Lord. The exhortation is to conscientiously and deliberately work Jesus into every area of our lives. Not just some, but every area of our lives. How? This is important. Number one, with fear and trembling. We're not talking about a fear of hell, but rather a reverent fear. It's being filled with awe, a reverence toward the Lord. It's a passion for God. It's a complete devotion to the Lord. That kind of fear and trembling to where we, we desire to do nothing less and nothing more than to just bring glory to the Lord. I owe Him my very life and therefore I revere Him. I honor Him. I want to glorify Him with my life in every area with everything I have. So how? With fear and trembling. Secondly, personally, it's just for us, just for me. You see, we have a tendency to see how others should work Jesus more out in their own lives than we do our own. We have a tendency to look out, right? And what the Apostle Paul was saying to the, to the Christians in Philippi, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The individual is to make sure he is working Jesus into every area of his life. At the same time, he's helping others to do the same. So we also don't want to uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Right? Because sometimes we'll take this, and then so what we'll do is we'll tell our neighbor, Modesto, work out your own uh, salvation with fear and trembling. Don't worry about mine. It's like, no... You know why? Because at the same time he's working out his own salvation with fear and trembling, as he comes alongside me, 
he could be helping me also work out my salvation with fear and trembling, learning what that looks like and what it should look like, right? But the emphasis here is pay attention to yourself, all right? Be mindful of of your own salvation. Allow the Lord to, to press it out of you, that wonderful gift of grace that he's given to you, learning how to bring him glory. Thirdly, how? With integrity, with whether anyone is looking or, or not. For the Philippians, it was whether Paul was with them or not. Specifically, as he wrote this letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul was saying, whether I'm there or not, you need to do this. In other words, have integrity before the Lord. That is very important. For us, it is whether we are at church or not whether we are with other Christians or not. As some people put it, whether we're with church people or not. We're around church people. We act like church people. When we're not around church people, do we act like church people? (laughs) We should simply act like Christians. It should be consistent through and through. Right? Whether we're with family or not. Actively. Reverently. Deliberately work Jesus into every area of your life, especially, especially, listen to this, especially when no one's looking. Because that's integrity. And this is part of the way in which we are to be active beacons of light for Jesus, shining our lives on him always. Verse 13. As the the Apostle Paul goes on, he says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Know this. The reason we work out our salvation is because God is working in us. We could be stubborn and not allow him to work through us. We can. We have this thing called free will. Uh, We can choose to quench the Holy Spirit, is what the Bible tells us. We can even deny him so much to the point to where our consciences are seared. That's a dangerous place to arrive at. We have no more feeling when conviction comes our way. But the reason we work out our salvation is because God is working in us and the work that he does in our lives is for, the good, for his good pleasure. So we let him. Let him work. Let him work it out. Let him bring us conviction of those things that are not of his. Repent of those things and instead turn in such a way that we align with his word and bring him glory. That's truly being governed by him in not our own thoughts and by the world, the system of the world, but by him. As God is teaching us how to live for him, he then takes great pleasure in seeing us apply that understanding to the way we respond to situations. Oh, times of testing come. Trials. Oh, we are faced with. And just know this. God takes great pleasure, just like a father would with a son, a daughter, you know, to where it's like, you know, we teach them how to handle certain things, and then we see them handle those situations in that way. Does that not bring great pleasure to you? Oh, just imagine our Father in heaven. Seeing us confronted with a situation in handling, handling that situation in a way 
that is glorifying to him. He takes great pleasure. Folks, brothers and sisters, he takes great pleasure in that. The way we handle others, the way we worship him, and are given to helping others be more dedicated toward him. Again, just as a father and a mother would take great pleasure in seeing a child mature, so our Father in Heaven takes great pleasure in seeing His children mature and reflect them all the better. So number one, work out your own salvation. Number two, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Uh, We are fine with the first... (laughs) Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Once again, let's read. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. In case you needed some examples of a practical way in which you are to live your life to God's glory, here they are. When you do things, do not do them grumbling, complaining, constantly disputing. What things? All things? Oh, man, the, the Lord gets you. He does. As you, as you go along, it's like, let me ask you something. This, this past week, have you complained? Have you grumbled? Have you disputed? Yeah? With the Lord? He says here, all things. All things means? <laughs> all, all things. In the Hebrew, it means all things. In the Greek, it means all things. In Aramaic, it means all things. In fact, this is actually in the original place in the very beginning. All things. It is. In other words, it's greatly emphasized. Do we not have a tendency to complain? Oh, you remember the Israelites in the desert? Were they not delivered with great miracles, signs from the Lord, great power, the right hand of the Lord? Were they not delivered from Egypt? And yet as they went into the wilderness, or, or, oh, we're thirsty. Oh, what you bring us out here for, to die in the wilderness, Moses? Right? Oh, well, give us something to drink. Okay, well, the Lord says, you know, strike the rock. Here comes some water, gushes out. I mean, just even, even makes rivers, right? They saw all of that. Um, manna, food from heaven, bread from heaven. Um, you want to complain about not having meat? Well, I'll, I'll give you meat. Here's some quail, right? All of that. Let them by a pillar of, of, uh, of a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Protected them, guided them. All of that. And, and yet even those people that saw all of that murmured, complained, grumbled, Do you think you and I are any different? No. That's why we need reminders like this. That's why I I am so happy. I'm glad 
Lord, thank you for the reminder. Thank you, Lord, for sometimes lovingly smacking me on the side of the head and helping me realize that this is something that I need to repent of. He emphasizes this all things. Not some, but all. The world is always complaining and disputing. But Paul is telling the church in Philippi, in us this morning, God is speaking to us this morning. The people of God are not to give themselves to this. Emphasis is what we see here. I know the world. I know how it is. But the people of God are not to behave in this manner. Not today and not ever. If you are complaining about the circumstances you find yourself in, how do you know you are not complaining against the very providence of God? In other words, the very will of God. He allowed this to happen. I'll just give you one name. Job. Right? I can give more, though, throughout God's word. Mm, Joseph. Think of Joseph. You know, he he told his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Really? Joseph had it right. Job, after a while of being told by the Lord, uh, you know, who who are you? Gird up your loins like a man and, and, and answer me if you can. He took him through, as we see it, verse by verse, a couple of chapters, and then he did it again for another couple of chapters. And then all Job could do is, he says, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. And I'm not going to speak anymore. What are you complaining about? Our circumstances, listen, they're, they're not, they, they can't even compare to the glory that awaits us. Whatever it is that we're going through. What if God is doing a work in you through the situation you find yourself in? And it is God's will or his allowance in order to do a special work in that moment. We're going to learn about some wonderful things this evening. You don't want to miss this evening. Something was explained to me uh, this morning by Dennis, and I'm really looking forward to having you hear what he has to say about the time of testing and, and refining and purifying. I want you to hear about that. But all of this, God doesn't, not a moment with God is wasted. Everything is for a purpose. Even what you're going through right now. It's all for a purpose. Everything. If you're grumbling, you may find yourself grumbling against God. What if your complaints and disputing is with others? I, I'm not disputing with God. I'm not complaining with Him or against Him. But what if it's dis- disputes with others? Well, we need to quit. Is the bottom line. Why? Well, let's go back to verse 14. It says, do what? All things, oh man, all things without grumbling or disputing. When others speak ill of us, our response matters. It may not matter to other people. It may not. They, maybe they, they perhaps could care less. But the one person that it does matter to is God. 
Because we could say, but what about the world around us? don't, Don't worry about the world around you. Just, you serve an audience of one. Just one. Do all things without. If as Christians we would not lose ourselves in emotional reaction, then we would be more inclined to respond in the spirit and not in the flesh. You know, like, put that emotion in check. Emotions aren't bad, but when they're not put in check, they can become really bad. They could actually lead us in our allow the flesh to get out of hand. How we do things is important in reflecting the salvation within us, is what Paul is saying. Representing the Lord, number one. Number two, is, is how we respond, is, is what actually works out that salvation, brings out that which God desires to bring out within our lives, from the Spirit, in our own lives. When we do things without grumbling or disputing before God, we are blameless and innocent, and that is what matters. In other words, as children of God, we are to do no harm and get to the point where we not only not do commit any harm or do any harm, but to the point where we can't do any harm. Um, the Lord is our good shepherd. We are his sheep. Right? Where are his sheep? We need to get to the point to where there's nothing left of the flesh that can bring any harm. A poisonous snake has the capacity to harm with its poison. A wolf has a capacity to harm with its sharp teeth. But a sheep doesn't even have the capacity to harm. I mean, he might be able to gnaw you to death. I don't know kick you and not really though sheep I, I had i had one so i know how they are and, and they ain't so smart either <laughs> molly was her name we need to get to the point to where we're just we, we can't harm it's just not in us why because we have too much of christ in us people do what they do we just don't have the capacity to, to do it. That, that's where we should be. We are so, supposed to be the sheep of his pasture. Matthew ten sixteen says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is Jesus speaking. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Interesting. Jesus was telling his disciples, Hey, guys, I am sending you out. Oh, like, like tough tigers or lions, right? No, no, uh, guess again. Like, uh, like, like, like an eagle. Like, soar, fly, fly uh, you know, high above everything. And no, no, try, try again. Like a, like a badger? A badger is small but fierce. No, not like a badger either. A bear, no. Like sheep. Like sheep. Hardly the picture that you would put on the shirt of a warrior, right? <laughs> a sheep? Can you imagine? Uh, what company are you from? Oh, the. Um... <laughs> anyway, I'm here to report for duty. Do you have a, a lamb there? Hardly, right? And yet he told him, he says, listen, I send you out as sheep. And you know what? I know that you're going out into the midst of wolves. Wolves prey on sheep. 
And he told them, be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You know, when you go out there in the midst of wolves as a lamb, you really have to trust that your shepherd is going to take care of you. Think about that. Because he knew, and he knows today, that we live in a sick and dark world. You, you think that catches him by surprise? He knows it. Yes, we do, and God knows we live in a perverse world. In John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And skip over to verse 15, which says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. What was emphasized there and what is emphasized in in our own lives and should be is, is that we are committed to simply walking out God's word in our lives, that that would be manifest, that it would all come to the glory of God, that we would live our lives in such a way that we are obviously his, and that we would encourage one another to do the very same thing. What we also see there is that the Lord, again, knows very well in the dark, the dark world in which we live in. He knows that. And so what we have here is that he gives no allowance to act like the perverse world in which we live in. There's no justification. Nothing at all. We are to be blameless, innocent, and without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Because we are blameless, innocent, without blemish, and we hold fast to the word of life, pay attention and live the word of God in our, in our own lives. We're working it out. That's the working out. When we do that, we shine as lights in a dark and perverse world. Again, just in conversation earlier, we were talking about how just, just that proper rep- representation of the Lord, being true ambassadors of Christ, how it impacts others. That's how I came to salvation. I remember my, my friend... Mike, I will never forget him. He was just different. That's all it was. Uh, just his speech betrayed him. He, he, didn't, he didn't speak in, in perverse ways. I, I didn't hear swear words coming out of him, although we were sailors and we were on dive station. and Every guy ought to speak that way. No, that's what, was, what I was thinking. He didn't join it. His manner of life also convicted him. There's strong conviction, and he was convicted. He was guilty. 
And so I wanted to ask, I, I wanted to know, you know, what's up with you, Mike? I will forever speak of Mike. Because this, this is one of those examples. He was a beacon of light is what he was. And he caused me to go to him and ask, what's the deal, Mike? And he told me. He laid out the gospel of Jesus Christ. He told me how it is that he has come to know salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Get to know Jesus. Get to know him. When, 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 you, when you come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and when the Holy Spirit comes and, and lives within you and changes your heart from the inside out, gives you a whole new heart, you'll know. And I did. He was a beacon of light. And so we can also be those beacons of light, lights to others to shine light on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just for the purpose of being different, but that we may bring attention to Jesus. That's the bottom line. That's it. It's not, oh, we're just different. We're uh, peculiar people. Yeah, I know we're weird, right? Just to be weird? No. No, there's a purpose to that. We are to live as Christians so that others may come to know the Lord and the Lord be glorified through our lives. Lights remember our tools used to see something or someone, a path to walk and dangers we ought to avoid. Lights guide us. Lights reveal reality when darkness covers it and prevents it from being seen. That's what light does. Paul said, if you do this, all of this that we've been talking about, then all that you had been taught up to this point is not for nothing. It's not in vain. He's, he, and, he, and he expressed himself. He says that he could then be proud of how they presented themselves to God, having obediently followed what he had taught them and exhorted them to do. That's the heart of a shepherd. That is our, our heart, hopefully, as pastors. There is nothing that would bring me greater joy than to know, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth, that you are walking in the truth. We're all the Lord's children, but you understand what I'm saying. I, I, have no, I have no greater joy than to hear that you are walking in the truth. N- nothing. Growing in the Lord, applying the word of God to your lives, to God's glory, and shedding light on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this was Paul's great concern for them, as it is God's great concern for us today. Paul goes on to say that even in death, his life would be an offering to the Lord. Whether in life or death, he desired to live as a sacrifice offering to the Lord. A sacrifice offering. And if he did sooner or later come to that, that is death, he would do so with gladness and rejoice with him. Um, What can you do with a man like this? Uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I, I want to, yeah, I would rather depart from this body and be present with the Lord, but I know it's for your good, for the purpose of, of blessing and, and do, doing something for the Lord. So here I am, right? What, what can you do with a man like that or a woman like that? That no matter what, I know I have a purpose here on earth, 
to the glory of God in whatever it is I'm going to work out. What do you want me to do, Lord? What can you do with a man like that? Uh, Do you feel like you're being crushed? You won't be. Not in the Lord. You will not become despondent in him. Why? Because we have the eternal hope in Jesus Christ. What did Paul encourage them to do? Likewise, be glad and rejoice with me in this. Philippians 1.21 says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. No one and nothing can move a man like this. No circumstances can take away his joy, therefore his rejoicing is immovable. Nothing can take away his gladness, therefore his gratefulness is unshakable. I would pray that you and I are the very same. I want to close with this. God gives us the way we are to function as beacons of light for Jesus. To illuminate salvation in him and give clarification to confusion and truth to falsehood. To live without grumbling and disputing. And to remain living God's truth consistently. He lays it out. Number one. I leave you with these these two. Number one, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Number two, do everything, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's a challenge, I know. But all things are possible with Christ. All things. If we do this, then what will happen is that nothing will veil the light of Christ and disrupt a path to him, to anyone, or for anyone. And that's what we are to be. Amen? Heavenly Father, we are truly thankful, Lord, for, your, for the love that you have for us, this grace. Lord, just as, uh, as we have gone through these few verses In the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, so I pray that we would be reminded or encouraged or corrected, Lord, in a way that demonstrates a humility toward you, a reverence for you. And I do ask, Lord, that if anyone here does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. Knowing that the Father extended His hand of grace through His Son, Jesus Christ, to the whole world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Lord, if, if we believe, You tell us that salvation comes our way. And that is if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, three days later rose from the grave. If we believe in Him for salvation, we will know it. And so, Father, meet us where we're at, whether we need to confess our sins and ask You for forgiveness and and cry out to you as Lord and Savior. Or ask that you would forgive us to help us to apply the word of God to better reflect 
you to others and be those beacons of light that we ought to be. Lord, whatever it may be, meet us right where we are. Help us along this path until we go to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray.